Welcome to the Maitripa College podcast. Maitripa College is a Buddhist institution of higher education founded by Yangtze Rinpoche in 2005 in Portland, Oregon. We offer two graduate degree programs, a Master of Arts in Buddhist Studies and a Master of Divinity degree, and Classical Tibetan Language Studies year-round and through a summer intensive format. Founded upon three pillars of scholarship, meditation, and service, the Maitripa College curriculum combines Western academic contemplative learning and traditional Tibetan Buddhist disciplines. Through the development of wisdom and compassion, our graduates are empowered with a sense of responsibility to work joyfully for the well-being of others. They become agents of positive change in the world and are shaping the development of Buddhism in the West. As scholar practitioners, chaplains, professional translators, doctoral degree candidates, leaders in the nonprofit world, educators, and more, we invite you to join us to make your practice your life. In this week's episode, Tiffany Petrella Blumenthal, Director of Student Services at Maitripa College, interviews Dr. Lee Miller, Director of Programs, about preparing to serve as a chaplain from the inside out, spiritual formation and education. Welcome to the Maitripa College podcast. Today, I will meet with Dr. Lee Miller, the Director of Academic Programs at Maitripa College, and discuss the topic of spiritual formation and the theological education process of preparing for service as a chaplain. Becoming a chaplain from a Buddhist perspective has many facets, and we are looking forward to talking about this emerging field with Lee. She is currently working on its forefront, both at Maitripa College in helping to form our Master of Divinity degree and with educators around the country. I am Tiffany Blumenthal-Petrella and currently serve as the Director of Student Services at Maitripa College, and I'm so happy to have this opportunity to speak with Lee today. Welcome, Dr. Miller. I'm going to refer to you as Lee. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Tiffany. Let's begin with an update on your work and a bit on your background. At this moment, I know you're involved at Maitripa College developing our MDiv program. As well, you serve as a founding member of the Buddhist Ministries Working Group and the Buddhist Task Force and a list of other things, uh, the Buddhist Task Force at the uh, APC, the Association of Professional Chaplains, and, uh, and as I mentioned, a list of other organizations. So I'm hoping that we can begin sort of from this big picture when you're looking at the whole field of Buddhist chaplains, Buddhist chaplaincy. What do you see as the most compelling concerns for students perhaps seeking or in the midst of, um, of their degree who are Buddhist and feel called to, you could say called to, or perhaps we could say find their purpose as, profession- as working professional chaplains in the world? What do you see as the most compelling concern for these students? That's a really great question, Tiffany. And um, I think there's a lot of good news with, uh, for folks who are interested in bringing their Buddhist practice or their search for right livelihood to an MDiv program or some program that prepares them to serve in the world of Buddhist spiritual care or chaplaincy. What I'm seeing now is that this field of practice has been emerging in the last decade or so um, with increasing strength and vigor and gaining a lot of attention nationally from outside of Buddhist 
sanghas or Buddhist theology or divinity schools and is gaining the attention of um, the association of professional chaplains, of people working in higher ed and sociological research, broadly speaking, and also um, and employers of chaplains, particularly in hospitals and hospice organizations and prisons and, um, and so forth, because this um, preparation of our grounding in a Tibetan or any actually lineage of Buddhist study and practice has the outcome of producing just the qualities and skills that are so foundational to the professional world of spiritual care. So to put that another way, what employers and researchers and folks innovating in higher ed want to know how to do and want to recruit are just the things that our training in Buddhist studies and practice um, already has a developed pathway to training folks in. So for me, Lee, what I'm hearing you speak to, and this was my next question, is this idea perhaps of spiritual formation. And I'm wondering if you could, in a, in a certain number of words, I know it's not an easy thing to define, but if you could try to define for us the term spiritual formation and perhaps why spiritual formation is a concern of someone seeking to serve in the role of a chaplain. Like how, how does spiritual formation take place through Buddhist education and how does that apply to chaplaincy? Spiritual formation is um, terminology that comes out of Christian traditions um, and has, of course, been defined in many ways by others. But here, or for a Buddhist context and at Maitripa, I'm thinking of spiritual formation as that integration of the spiritual or religious with the personal that prepares someone specifically for professional or service work in the world. So spiritual formation has to do with a kind of commitment to a contemplative education and practice in one's own life on a regular enough basis that someone is demonstrably and noticeably moving along a spiritual path of growth and development. And that this is um, something which makes them receptive to, sensitive to, and able to appropriately respond to the needs of others. Beautiful. So beautifully said, Lee. Thank you. Mm. And so when we sort of drill down a little bit more into spiritual formation and how an educational institution can help frame that for someone, um, what do you think it is about an MDiv degree specifically uh, that helps prepare someone for work as a chaplain uh, or in, in a spiritual care provider role, as you mentioned earlier? As opposed to, for instance, like, why not social work or therapeutic education? Why a master's of divinity degree? This is a good question that's actually um, 
somewhat being debated in the world of chaplaincy right now, um, what exactly prepares anyone to be a chaplain from any religious background or no religious background or from a humanist perspective? What makes someone distinctly prepared to work as a chaplain, say, as opposed to a, a, a psychotherapist or a social worker or a counselor or a spiritual director? So part of that question comes from increasing concerns for equity and inclusion, because if we say you have to have a graduate degree, which takes many years to complete when one is presumably at least partially, if not fully out of the workforce, requires a significant investment of tuition and so forth, um, is this equitable and fair? And is it really the case that a, a degree like an MDiv or an MA in chaplaincy is needed? Can we back that up and make make a good case for it? Um, and if so, what is the nature of that curriculum? What distinctly in an MDiv curriculum prepares someone to work as a chaplain? Um, for instance, if it's if people just need a certain amount of understanding uh, of, say, hospital systems or bedside manner, then clinical training would be sufficient um, without a, an educational degree. So the reason that an educational theological degree is required is because it takes a long time to do spiritual formation, just to put it uh, simply in those terms. Um, for one thing, chaplains and spiritual care providers need to be well-grounded in their own religious tradition meaning they have to understand well the history, the doctrine, the philosophy, the worldview of a tradition that they at least partially belong to. And they need to have time to practice within that tradition, uh, within its community, to have mentorship and teachers within that tradition. Because over time, this changes people. When we pair that with a kind of critical thinking that comes with a theological education, um, then this really helps to develop our own self-awareness of the presuppositions and biases within our fields, within our lineages and traditions, and within ourselves coming from various social and uh, economic and cultural and racial and ethnic backgrounds. So we have to develop our sensitivity and our awareness of those and think critically about them in order to really be present with the diversity of needs of others. So the role of a chaplain is not to bring one's self and one's own tradition into the room, but rather to leave all that at the door and elicit from the people we're with their own spiritual resources and beliefs and needs and serve what's in the best interest of, of that person's own um, beliefs and orientations and needs and practices. But we can't do that. We can't leave ourself at the door. We can't confidently leave all of our formation um, out of our perceptions of others unless we carefully attend to being aware of them in the first place. 
So at Maitripa, the curriculum uh, is founded on the three pillars of scholarship, meditation, and service. And these together integrate in the capacity for our graduates to be able to work in this way. So the scholarship pillar grounds people very strongly in the Tibetan Buddhist, particularly Gelug lineage tradition. And the meditation pillar cultivates those contemplative skills and contemplative practices, which help people to both analyze and deconstruct their very sense of self, but also give them the groundwork for cultivating immense amounts of compassion and empathy and ability to just be mindful and present with themselves and whatever's arising in a given moment and with others. And this is really a critical skill for spiritual care providers and chaplains to be able to bring a sense of presence and groundedness into any situation. So practicing first in a community and with a teacher and in a safe space like our Jokong Meditation Hall familiarizes over time, deeply familiarizes in the body, in the mind, these contemplative states which are so useful to be able to call on when someone else is in crisis or emergency. And then the service pillar of the curriculum uh, in the Maitripa MDiv explores more of the, the personal and social locations that we are operating in and coming from and how we integrate that into the service we want to be able to provide in the world. So we're bringing together our study, our practice, and our own histories and what we see as the needs in the world around us. We're, we're synthesizing all of that together and finding the best ways that we can serve in the world. And for many of our MDiv students, what they know when they start at, out at Maitripa is that there's a lot of suffering out there and there's also a lot of suffering inside um, to be healed. And they want to be in the service of helping to alleviate and eliminate suffering in the world. So people come to Maitripa already having a, a, some sense of their bodhicitta aspirations to be of benefit to all sentient beings. And they really gain grounding and skills and insight into how to do that in at least some tangible, practical livelihood ways as a result of doing a theological education degree like an MDiv at Maitripa. Beautiful. Okay. So that gives us the sense of the educational framework and you it wove beautifully in there the, the framework we use at Maitripa. I'm wondering, Lee, what you would say about how necessary religion plays in that readiness. So I know for ourselves, oftentimes students come without a religious background or with a, a humanist background or, you know, different kinds of Buddhist backgrounds. How, how do you see religion playing a role in spiritual formation and in readiness for chaplaincy? Is that, is that a key factor? You mentioned, um, you know, the, the, the sort of the conditions of a, a spiritual teacher and particular practices, a community, a temple, you mentioned those things. Is, would you say those are necessary? Like, can, can you do chaplaincy work without that? This is a great question. Uh, again, I think what makes a, a theological degree different from a different any other kind of degree, particularly, um, I know this is a view shared by many of us across the country who are teaching in Buddhist programs. It's the grounding in the tradition which makes theological education different from any other kind of education. So um, having an ability to study and practice is 
seems to be what is most essential for people who are practicing as spiritual care providers. Many of them tell me that um, that they can't imagine their practice without their service work in the world, and they can't imagine working as a chaplain without their practice to support and ground them and to continually replenish that well of presence and compassion with others. Now, that's not to say that someone couldn't do that from a humanist perspective or from an atheist perspective or from uh, perspectives of multiple religious belongings. You know, someone who feels that they're Buddhist and Jewish or Quaker and Hindu or whatever combination people might um, feel is most true for themselves. And I think the field of chaplaincy, um, particularly when it comes to board certification requirements, is expanding to try to encompass um, people who genuinely identify in a variety of ways um, and are still able to demonstrate all of the competencies of good professional spiritual care. So I can say from what I've seen amongst Buddhist educators and Buddhist chaplains that having a strong religious and spiritual grounding and ongoing practice makes a very strong positive difference. But I can't say that one couldn't do this work without religion. And I couldn't say that you have to belong to only one religion. <laughs> one religion. Gotcha. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's a great answer. Okay. Um, you've really started to, to clarify, I think, the, the field and the role, um, the necessary training, this kind of the, the scope, like, I guess you could say, of, of spiritual formation through theological education. And I'm just wondering, if someone goes through this process, they, they, this is sort of in conclusion, you're imagining a student comes, they have the deep aspiration to be of benefit to others, they do a master's of divinity degree somewhere, they pick up a practice, a community, uh, the support they're going to need for their work in the world, they, they go through a process of transformation in, in, internally, which provides them with the resources they need to sit with others and sometimes their greatest moments of suffering. What does their life lose? They go through this whole process and they come out and they become a chaplain in training, perhaps, or whatever they, they choose. What, what does their life look like every day beyond graduation? What environments are available for folks to serve in this way? Uh, is there further training that's needed? How does someone become a board-certified chaplain? What's the after-educational piece look like, after-master degree piece look like, if you will? Yeah. So the path to working as a spiritual care provider or as a chaplain has a few different routes. Um, most, most folks in an MDiv program will do at least one unit of clinical pastoral education, or CPE. And CPE programs are housed almost always within hospitals. In the past four or five years or so, I think almost every MDiv student at Maitripa has done a unit of CPE. And we usually recommend that folks do that between their second and third year of the curriculum. So while they're still working on their degree, they do one summer or 12 weeks of clinical pastoral education. And this really deepens 
the final year of their study in the MDiv program because they've had this experience in at least one context in which chaplains work. So they have been maybe the only chaplain on call overnight for an entire hospital. And they're on call when people show up in the emergency room or someone codes on the oncology floor or what have you. Um, someone dies, someone's needs to be, you know, someone has births a baby and wants it to be baptized. Um, the chaplain uh, on call, which may be a student, is the one who responds to that need. And so they're supported in developing pastoral authority to be able to, to face those needs in the moment. Um, so this is a kind of clinical um, situational training that happens through clinical pastoral education. Most students uh, who want to then continue to pursue professional chaplaincy after an experience like that, and almost all of them do, um, it's very terrifying at first, but they almost always fall in love with it and want to keep doing it more. So the next step at that point would be after graduation to embark on a one-year residency in clinical pastoral education. This is a, a year-round, full-time, paid employee position in a hospital or a prison um, that has an accredited CPE program. And that one year uh, or four units of CPE is a prerequisite requirement for becoming board certified. The other prerequisite or, or requirements for becoming a board certified chaplain through the Association of Professional Chaplains uh, are a graduate theological degree of at least 72 credit hours, which the Maitripa MDiv meets, one year or four units of CPE, the endorsement of one's spiritual or religious community, and a minimum number of actual employment hours after CPE. Uh, I think it's about two years at this, um, at this point of, um, of, of paid employment hours. Once someone has all four of those um, criteria to qualify them for board certification, there's a lengthy application and interview process and when people complete that process, then hopefully they'll be board certified. Um, my Chipa has among our alumni three or four, I think uh, four or five maybe board certified um, chaplains right now. Um, so it's a long process and it's not necessarily required. So you asked Tiffany about the environments in which people might be working as spiritual care providers or as chaplains. And Hospitals are usually the first ones that come to mind. A lot of the research literature on chaplaincy comes out of healthcare environments. Um, there's the most jobs available there. And um, all hospitals do require board certification for full-time employees after their first or second or third year of employment. So that is the kind of default or norm that people usually think of. Chaplains also work in a variety of other settings which may or may not require board certification. And some of those include prisons. Um, there's a whole field of campus chaplaincy. So people who are, are chaplains at private high schools um, and colleges and universities. There's hospice chaplaincy, um, which is working with death and dying and palliative care teams, sometimes within a hospital, sometimes outside of a hospital. Um, there are a whole field of emerging new chaplaincy uh, areas that people are developing now 
which will have to continue to develop uh, creatively and entrepreneurially for people to actually make a livelihood in them. But there are fields emerging like eco-chaplaincy, uh, spiritual care for social justice movements, so movement chaplaincy. There's neighborhood chaplaincy. There's chaplaincy with, um, with the unhoused population, street chaplaincy. Um, pretty much all of the fields that, you know, all of the areas that we can look around and see are social um, problems in our North American or, or United States, at least cultural context right now, um, there is chaplaincy emerging to address it. Um, disaster chaplaincy and um, first responder chaplaincy and um, uh, like search and rescue teams and wilderness teams, um, they've had chaplains working in their departments for a long time as well. So some of these are new and some are coming into increasing visibility as nationally the visibility of chaplains is rising and the demand for chaplaincy is, has been rising steadily in the last 10 years. Tiffany, I also want to mention that the four requirements for board certification with the Association of Professional Chaplains, which are the MDiv or Theological Education degree, clinical pastoral education, and employment, there's this additional requirement called endorsement. This has been a difficult area for Buddhists, um, historically speaking, and fortunately there's a lot of positive movement and development in that area at this time. And endorsement has been a requirement for a long time to work as a chaplain, which is a certification from one's own religious community that one is educationally and spiritually uh, prepared to work as a chaplain, to serve the spiritual needs of others. And it's not just a result of one's academic degree or clinical training, but that one is also seen as someone with leadership and service potential by the members of one's own spiritual tradition. And usually this is conferred by someone in a role of, of pretty high leadership within a congregation or a temple or a church, sometimes even at the level of a national office. So religious lineages or, or denominations establish their own criteria for who they will or won't endorse. Obviously, this has been difficult for Buddhists in the United States because we haven't been historically organized with, say, national branches um, or organizations or associations to handle this. And often, um, sanghas in the United States are led by people who, whose first language might not be English or who come from very different cultural and social backgrounds where the role of a religious authority who's working outside of a religious organization or, or uh, sangha is novel. So, you know, in, in Tibet, for instance, there weren't folks who were working uh, like as lay ministers. Um, people would go to the Lama, uh, not to, um, you know, just a lay person uh, who maybe was a householder and you know, just happened to have a specialized set of skills to help when people were sick or dying or when there was a birth or when there was a marriage. Um, so these are a kind of Western idea of roles, um, of diversity of roles of religious care providers in our society. And um, so the way this has grown in, uh, in, in the Buddhist case is that a group of us recently in the last few years identified what should be 
the standards or requirements for Buddhists seeking endorsement and who can endorse and what would it look like for a Sangha to be able to endorse their members who seek to become professional chaplains. And uh, so this has become an easier pathway to follow at this point. And Maitripa College is authorized by the Association of Professional Chaplains to endorse people for chaplaincy. So we do offer endorsement, but right now we offer it only to graduates of our MDiv program. Um, because by the time people have spent several years training and growing and being part of the community and serving in the Maitripa context, we know each other really well and we're, we're like a family. And so it becomes quite a joyful experience to endorse someone for their future work as a chaplain. Um, but it's on the basis of that relationship, as well as their successful studies, as well as their demonstration of service within the community and with others, and the qualities that they've cultivated to likely be someone who can ethically and sustainably serve the needs of others that we would offer someone endorsement. So Maitripa College is pretty unique as a place to train in Buddhist preparation for chaplaincy and to offer endorsement. So through MyTripa, we offer two of those four requirements for board certification if people decide to pursue that professional path. Well, Lee, I have to say, you did. You did beautifully. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lee. Um, we really appreciate you taking your time to share your wisdom on spiritual formation and theological education, specifically for spiritual care providers and chaplains in training. And I wanted to just say... Um, you know, thank you for all of your work at Maitripa College as you're spearheading such an effort um, in the field of, of Buddhist chaplaincy. And it's, it has a big impact on our students and in our community. And so thank you for your good work. And I wanted to also thank our audience for listening. And just to invite you to stay tuned for further information on Maitripa College uh, on our website and to, to learn more about our Master of Divinity degree. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Maitripa College podcast. This podcast was produced by Alfredo Pinheiro, Tiffany Blumenthal, Andrew Hughes, Kate McDonalds, and me, your host, Namdrol Miranda Adams. <laughs>